This podcast contains adult themes and potentially triggering content. Dear survivor, be gentle with yourself. The journey ahead is going to be a painful one. You deserve every bit of loving care. Hi, I'm Rosa Martin, and welcome to the Dear Survivor podcast. This show hosts conversations with survivors of sexual violence, exploring how trauma has shaped their lives moving forward. Hi, so for today we have Alicia Vera here joining us from Mexico City. Could you introduce yourself, Alicia? Sure. Um, I am a photographer, uh, Mexican-American, based between Mexico City and Miami, and I don't know. That's it. <laughs> I feel like I always introduce myself to with work things, and I don't know how else to do it. I have a really cute dog. <laughs> I don't know. That's a great <laughs> intro. I dig that. <laughs> I just wanted to mention that Alicia uh, has has really shared her story publicly um, in the photojournalism community and has also written an op-ed in the Washington Post about her experience in this industry of, of harassment and has really, really spoken up for many women in this industry and it's so so brave and and I am so honored that you said yes to being a part of this podcast without us meeting beforehand and I appreciate you being here so thank you thank you so much oh thank you I'm like you're giving me a a lot of feelings (laughs) good one good one (laughs) I'm glad (laughs) I guess I, I'm curious, like, what was it like? Like, I I think, I mean, as somebody who has told my story, like, in public, like, that whole thing is already, like, a lot. And it also already brings up so much memories and, like, triggers and things like that. But I think what is really commendable in what you've done is really to point to an actual perpetrator you know, like I, I was very, I was very um, careful in not naming the person because it is a person of similar to yours. It is a person of power, and there are consequences with that. And mm-hmm. and I, I just think you're so amazing and so brave to be like, you know, f this. I'm gonna, you know, <laughs> I'm gonna speak up, and you know. People are going to know my name and people are going to know his name. And and that's just really like amazing and so strong and so, so commendable. And and I guess I, I'd love to hear kind of how you prep for that, if, if you did anything and and how that kind of affected you beforehand, like leading up to it. Um, well, I mean, I'll start with saying that it took me two years to say yes, um, because the the reporter approached me, you know, two years again before the article came out and was like, Hey, this thing is going on and I'm hearing all these stories. I told her what happened to me pretty much in detail. And she was like, probably one of the first people I told, um, in detail. And when she told me like, Holy shit, like you're probably the worst story I have. Um, it kind of like gave me a little bit of, strength, I feel like in a way to, to be like, okay, let's do this. Let's do this. But I thought that like, there was going to be a number of us. And because I think back then there was only like three of us. Um, but because there was only like a small number of us and CJR needed either one person to be, um, you know, publicly named themselves or they needed like a certain amount of numbers, you know, cases, I think that like freaked me out that I was going to be the only person with my name out there. And so I said, no, like, I just don't feel like I'm in a place in my career where I can do this. And I, I felt horrible and I still kind of have a lot of guilt for that. But like, I mean, I just felt like, uh, at some point, like it's not my responsibility what's happening or if something continues to happen, like I have to take care of myself first and I'm just not ready to, to name myself, to, you know, to be public. Um, and so I kind of, I was just like super disappointed and thought, well, I mean, the story's dead and, and 
nothing's going to happen and it's really my fault because I'm the one who didn't want to go public. Um, and then when the whole, I think it was the guardian who broke the story with the underage girls and his photographs. Um, I was just like super angry and decided like, screw this. I, I can't like, I just, I, I just had all this anger like bubbling up inside of me. And I wrote like an Instagram post, not saying his name, but like saying that something, I forgot exactly what I said. Oh no, I said his name, but I said like I had a situation with him. I was like super vague. And the reporter wrote to me again and was like, are you ready essentially? So we jumped on the phone and I was still just like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I had so much anxiety. I like couldn't really sleep. I started talking to a couple of my friends and they were like, well, whatever you decide to do, like we're here for you. And I think once I started hearing that there was like a number of us, like there's, I think it ended up being 11 of us. Once I heard about that number and heard that there was a young woman who I think she's 23 years old who had pretty similar case to mine, I was like, I can't, like, I just, I can't do this anymore. Like enough is enough and I can't let this person go. And I feel so scared. <laughs> like I, I was worried for my career because I mean, I didn't graduate college. Like I got my associate's degree and then I, that's it. Like I didn't finish school. And basically my career is built on me networking and me winging it. Like I've been figuring it out, you know, this entire time. And I was like, well, what if no one ever hires me again? Like, it's not like I can go and do something else because this is all I've got. Um, and so, yeah, I lost a lot of sleep. Um, but I think just the anger that I had inside of me and like, I think I've always been a little bit of a fighter. <laughs> um, like I said, just said, screw this. And I decided to go for it. Um, so I was thankfully already going to therapy and I had started going to therapy actually when my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's because I was like, I know that I, if I don't do something, I'm going to fall into a depression. Um, and so, yeah, I, I told my therapist, like, this is going to happen and I need some help. I need some guidance. I need someone to kind of be there for me and lead the way because it just feels like, again, it's going to open the floodgates. <laughs> um, and sure enough, it did. And it brought up so much stuff. But I think, I mean, I, I just prepared in, in having therapy and having a close-knit community around me. Actually, one of the one of the people that I got really close to in quarantine is this uh, designer artist woman here in Mexico city. And we kind of bonded because she had a sexual assault situation as well. And she's somebody who like was just there for me whenever I was anxious and I needed someone to just cry to her. I, I was just like, we need to go on a hike. Let's go on a hike. And we would just go jump in a car and go somewhere and, Every time I thought the article was coming out, we would go out of town. Um, so I think just that, you know, just trying to, I don't know. Yeah, just trying to surround myself with good people and, and a lot of therapy. <laughs> and I think a lot of exercising, too, because I started boxing as well. And I've boxed for a while now, but I kind of took a break from it. And I think boxing just helped release so much anger. Um, so, Yeah. Yeah, th thank you for sharing that. And like, I think it's, it's definitely not a small feat at all to come forward with, with your story, even if you have other women around you. Like, I think it's so, it's just so, so difficult, especially in a, in a system that already feels rigged, you know, like, I feel like everything, you have everything to lose. And that person, you know, could lose something, but not, not always, which is so Ugh, infuriating angry. I also realized that I have this like weird mentality of like it's one thing if it happens to me but if it happens to someone else oh hell no <laughs> like I need to put my foot down and I think that's what it was for me like oh it happened to me oh it's fine like it's not the first time that I deal with a creepy guy or the second or the third or the fourth or the fifth like I've been dealing with creepy men my entire life so who cares like no one's gonna give a shit about my story but once I started hearing like 
this girl, this woman is 23 years old and something happened to her at the same age that it happened to me, pretty much the same story. I was just like, enough. Like, I don't care. I don't care if I never get hired. I will figure it out. And I think that's something that my therapist was also really good at. She's like, okay, if this is your fear, like, let's talk about worst case scenario. What would happen if, you know, the journalism world didn't ever hire you again? And I'm like, well, actually, I'm kind of bitter, like, towards the journalism community because basically this is everybody who covered it up, right? So I'm, I was telling her, like, I actually kind of want to get more into the commercial world or more into, like, editorial and magazine work. So I would hustle in that direction, direction. And she was like, you see, so you have options. Like, it's not, like, it's going to be okay. Um, and I think that was really helpful. I do like to think that we're in a better position now to tell our stories as well. I mean, I don't think it's, like, super black and white and, like, all of a sudden everybody is believed and, like, everybody faces consequences. But I do think that, you know, things have changed a bit and that also helps, you know. Mm -hmm. What was the reaction to that first article? Did people kind of reach out to you? Did you have to, like, brace yourself for negative things? Or or were people hopefully were supportive i would say 99 percent of people were supportive <laughs> um i had a lot of people reach out to me like a lot which is extremely overwhelming and i wanted to answer everybody but i couldn't and at some point i had to take a break <laughs> because it was just too much um but it was a response that i don't think i was really expecting i felt I think my biggest fear was like that people would think I was stupid. Like you're an idiot. Why did you do this? You know? And the fact that nobody questioned me and they were like, you were just doing your best. You know, you were just living your life trying to seek mentorship from this person. Like you were also young and you were also, you know, he was also in a position of power and nobody questioned me nobody and I was like shocked by that because I don't know I was like if I, that were me I would call that person an idiot obviously that's not true but like that was kind of like the, the the narrative that was you know that voice in your head that always tells you like I don't know just playing out like your fears or whatever um but yeah everybody I would say there was like a small percentage on Facebook on like the magnum Facebook page where people were like saying really dumb things, but I think it was like five comments. Yeah. It was like five mm -hmm. comments out of like hundreds of messages that I got. And so I was like, who, who cares? And most of them, you know, mm -hmm. were white men. So I'm like, <laughs> not my problem. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh gosh. That's so frustrating. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, yeah, uh, but I'm really glad that you got a lot of like positive support, and and I feel like historically, right, like people will find try to find the gray areas of your story and and like try to justify what happened, which is super effed up. Mm -hmm. um, and and yeah, I'm also grateful that we're kind of moving to a different direction. I hope that people are a lot more supportive in some ways. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. I think so. I think even in the, I mean, when I, the op-ed came out like two, three months ago now, um, mm -hmm. I had more negative comments there than in the original article. And that was a mistake of mine to read the comment section. <laughs> Should have done that. Um, but I don't know, like, I think at that point, I was just like, F everybody who doesn't believe me or doesn't, you know, like you said, is trying to poke holes in my story or thinks I'm an idiot or whatever. Like, I understand myself now more than ever and understand that, like, I don't know, understand that, like, uh, I normalize just so many things in my life. And I think as women, we normalize a lot of just shitty behavior that leads us to like maybe do things or put ourselves in weird positions or like, I don't know, you know? And so I feel like I had to like forgive myself first and kind of understand where all of that came from before I was able to like say F everybody. And so mm -hmm. now I, I can't. <laughs> 
Yeah, I definitely, I guess, I definitely want to, like, take this moment to really, like, appreciate that not only did you, like, speak out for your story once, you, you had to, you did it twice <laughs> because of just the, just, just the lack of, you know, like, overall support and overall change. Like, this should have, this should have really been a reckoning, right? And, and I don't know, and I hope that people were reflect reflective after hearing and reading your second article because it it's really important and 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 you did a a really brave and important thing for a lot of women who who really are still struggling with their story and I think any any person who adds to the collective of speaking out really like emboldens another person you know Thank you. I really, really appreciate it because I think those two articles are probably one of the hardest things I've ever done, um, both because I'm exposing myself publicly and also just like I said, mentally, it brought so many things at the forefront. So I am happy and hopeful that it did at least help some people, you know, <laughs> even if it's just helping one person, I'm like, that's good enough for me. So thank you. Oh yeah, and you definitely did, and you definitely absolutely helped a lot of people. Um, and yeah, and also like creating this safer culture um, where we are not tolerating those behaviors anymore. You know? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I did have a lot of uh, women write to me that they had an experience with this person as well, or with like other photographers as well, and it was pretty heavy it was just really heavy but I I don't know like I said I try to write to everybody but at some point I was like uh, I don't know how I can help more than just telling my story you know and I was really really lucky that in both uh when both articles published I was at the ocean I was at the beach and so I was able just to like leave my phone in the hotel and throw myself in the water and that felt just like really, really healing and cleansing. And, you know, I was able to like disconnect for a minute. And then I feel like that re-energized me. And, and I would, again, answer whoever I needed to answer, whoever I thought I could give a little bit of help to, and then throw myself in the ocean again. I was doing that actually periodically. So this is too much, hold on. <laughs> so, yeah. Do you, I guess, do you feel like, a sense of relief for like not hiding that story anymore or do you or are you does it feel heavier because you're carrying a lot of other people's stories or, or maybe a little bit of both um I don't necessarily feel like I'm carrying other people's stories anymore I got I don't know that's a hard one to answer because I think part of like the difficulty of all of this is that like it's never ending and so one, I think I'm hyper aware of like bad behavior, you know, like sexual harassment, assault, even like minor little things that people will say, you know, I'm like, oh, 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 you know, I'm always like noticing all these things. And I think because people have also like obviously talk, speak publicly about it, they'll tell me their stories and like, sorry, I'm trying to like think as I'm speaking. <laughs> um but I don't think I'm like carrying it necessarily. I think I'll try to maybe guide them somewhere. And then I, I think I'm better at like letting it go. But I think the heaviness is more like it's exhausting and it feels like it's just, it's just never ending. And like, like holding on to hope is the part that I feel like is the hardest. Um, but yeah, I mean, I personally do feel a lot lighter. I feel like, I have nothing to hide, um, which feels really nice. I feel so open about what happened to me and about other experiences that I've had happen to me. I'm like, at the point where I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Sorry, I curse so much. <laughs> but I'm just like, this happened to me. And let me tell you, uh, you know, because enough of normalizing it, enough. Like, I'm so sick and tired of it. Like, if you're going to say something gross or something, you know, misogynist or, or in harassing somebody like I'm going to call you out and I'm going to tell you why it's wrong and 
how it's affected me in my past. And like, I'm just over it. You know what I mean? I don't know. Part of my, I don't want to say strength because I don't want to sound like, I don't know. It is strength though. Own it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, part of, part of my drive. <laughs> but it's part of my drive is to be like enough. Like I need, you know, the next generation and the next generation, and the next generation to like be better. And so, yeah, I don't know. I feel like be, it's bigger than me, you know? And so if I get uncomfortable for calling somebody out, like who cares? The important thing is to like change, change, change like society and change how people view things and, you know, enough. How did you take care of yourself? Like when it, gets rough like you know in general and I guess like when the article came out or before anything like that uh a lot of journaling a lot of going out of town and just kind of being in nature which I think was part this and part like pandemic I just needed to be surrounded by green things um mm-hmm. uh I don't know like I said talking to my friends in therapy um in therapy, I've been working on like trying to work, I think, with my body more versus like, you know, because you hold like trauma in your body and it's not just all in your head. And I think that's been like really important to learn. And so, I mean, I've been doing yoga for a long time, but I think even more so now is like trying to connect with my feelings, but not logically, but more physically if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. So I think body work has been really important and like helpful. Um, the other thing that's kind of random <laughs> is that um, me and a friend, we've been kind of, we call it like our witchiness, <laughs> but like we're both, we're both Mexican American. We both moved to Mexico to kind of reconnect with our family, with our roots. And we realized that, like, Mexico is this, like, very spiritual country, right? Where, like, mm-hmm. a lot of it is, like, these, like, you know, that's Catholicism, but it's also, like, these, like, rituals that come from, like, our ancestors. And so we started doing rituals. And so, for example, at the beach, when we were at the beach, I think it was New Year, and which is around where the article, the first article came out, we did like a whole ritual with candles and like this little mud bath. And then we threw ourselves in the ocean. And now every first of the month I do a ritual where like I clean my house. Like I make this kind of like little tea and I'll clean my house (laughs) and I'll light candles and I'll like run a bath and I'll write like an intention for the month. And I think that has also been really helpful in a way that like I've, I've, like I said, I've never, I've always been like a logical person and I think doing something completely like different from what I used to has been weirdly healing. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Yeah. So that. (laughs) That sounds amazing. (laughs) Like I, it really does. Like I think we should be doing more of that, like more often to just like, you know, be with yourself, do all these things that make you feel good and just, you know, just the fact that you've been able to do that monthly as a, like a way to take care of yourself just is like, just a s- super cool way of seeing you like, through your healing journey. Yeah. Yeah, it's been, yeah. it's been interesting. Like I said, I'm not, I've <laughs> never been like a spiritual person. And so to all of a sudden be like, I need to do my, it's called Olympia, like my cleansing you know, ritual is like, what? <laughs> like, I never thought I'd be doing this a year ago. But I think there's something really beautiful about the healing power of our ancestors, which we like to discard a lot because we're like, oh, but it's not science. But actually, there's a lot of science behind it that maybe we just don't know about. You know what I mean? And like, our ancestors mm-hmm. also work with a lot of trauma. And I don't know. Yeah, there's something just so beautiful about connecting with that, but also being really, really intentional about, okay, today is about me. So like, mm-hmm. I love it. Like this month, like my boyfriend went to work. I was like, okay, goodbye. And he was texting me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's great. I'm doing my ritual. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> and I, it, I don't know, there's something really, really nice to like sit down, light my candles and be like, okay, what do I want to work on this month? And like writing my little note, you know, and like 
running my bath for like an hour. Like there's something so, so nice to just sit with yourself and just be completely selfish. But I don't know. I think it's been really helpful. <laughs> I I might try that. Like I've been, I've been super just overall burnt out with like COVID life, nursing, everything that I've like been telling myself, I just need five days of just being super selfish of not doing anything. And it still hasn't happened. I've been saying that all summer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hoping that it actually happens next week. Um, But yeah, it's, it's definitely way overdue for me. And maybe I'll do something like that. Where I like white candles, do a bet. Yeah, I'm texting the first of the month to be like, hi. (laughs) (laughs) I do need accountability for that, for sure. (laughs) It's amazing. You should do it. Um, I guess kind of to backtrack, I'm curious, like, if you thought a little bit about kind of what you wanted this episode to be about, or like what kind of message you had for other survivors or for yourself that you kind of wanted to reflect on and maybe we can talk about it a little bit sure um so i had two different kind of ideas um i'm still kind of like working through exactly how to make it concise for the <laughs> for the little template so i'm like oh. but the first one is um along the lines of like you don't have to be the perfect victim uh which i struggle with a lot because i feel like there's been times where like i'm drinking or i'm smoking weed or i'm dressed a certain way or i it's my fault for putting myself in that position like how didn't i see the red flags it's obvious to everybody else and like i don't know i i realized that later that like i I don't have to be this like, just like super innocent person who came into the situation and, you know, you know, I don't know, like, like it didn't happen to me just, it didn't happen to me because of, because of me. Like, it doesn't matter if I was wasted, if I was super stoned, if I was butt naked, it doesn't matter. And I think it's a good reminder for people because I think we hold a lot of blame and a lot of guilt and society also likes to put a lot of blame and guilt on us and shame. So I think we need to like, remember that we don't have to fit this like ideal victim persona. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that's one. And then the other I was thinking was something along the lines of like uh like it's okay if it happens to you multiple times it's not your fault kind of thing um because I've been in like a lot of really really shitty situations like a lot I actually last month um I was in a bad I had a bad situation like something kind of like shitty happened to me where like I had to quit a job and I had to come back home because essentially somebody assaulted me at like during a work thing kind of thing. Um, And that same, like I reported him (laughs) and he thankfully got fired like pretty much immediately. And I went back to work thinking like, okay, like this got handled. This is, okay, like, I'm going to be okay. And then I was harassed two days later by someone else. And I ended up quitting. I, when that guy, like the second guy made some stupid comments to me, I just started laughing. I just started laughing because I was like, is it me? Like, is it my fault? Am I the one who's attracting these people? Like, what are, like, what energy am I sending out here? And I ended up like walking off and calling my boss essentially, who was like in New York and told her what happened. And thankfully she was incredibly supportive and was like, if you need to go home, go home. It's my problem. If I need to find a replacement, don't worry about it. Take care of yourself. But I came home and I was in a really, really bad place because I was just like, I literally just reported somebody publicly and now I had to report somebody again. And then I get harassed 
two days later and I have to report somebody again. Like, how is this possible? And I felt just so mad at myself. And I was like, obviously, this is me. Like, this is my fault. Um, and I don't know, like, I... I had to like work on it a lot in therapy and I'm still kind of working through it. But I think that's something that I have to remind myself, like, like, yeah, it's just not your fault. Like people are shitty and people normalize violence against women. And, and yeah, that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, I'm so sorry they had to go through that. And that's, super awful and it's absolutely not your fault like none of that is your fault you did not attract them you know they are just clearly perpetrators that have been so used to getting their own way that they just thought that they could get away with it again which is also super fucked up um and yeah and i think that's also another thing that people don't talk about is like oh this happened to you this terrible thing but but actually, you know, by the time people have a strong enough voice to say something about it, if, if they even get there, is like they've already experienced so much. You know, this has happened so many times in so many different ways. And we don't need to like explain every single time, mm -hmm. you know. But it's it's so awful that it has it just keeps happening because it's such an awful systemic problem you know and like one person even you know even david Allen harvey like how many years has he been a perpetrator how many people have, have he victimized and it's and it's really just awful yeah it's horrible <laughs> it's horrible and and i don't know the second time it happened um during this job i I went through the whole process again of like, am I going to report him? Am I going to tell like anybody? Am I, should I just quit and leave? And you know, people will just think it's the first guy and I just couldn't handle it. And I left, which is fine, you know, but, um, part of it was also because I was like, who's going to believe me? Who's going to believe me that it actually happens this many times. I was like, there's no way anybody's going to be like, Oh, of course this happens to women multiple times in a day or multiple times in a week. But, you know, I ended up actually reporting him as well. Um, I'm like, fuck everyone. <laughs> Over everyone. But, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's just, like I said, it's just exhausting and just unbelievable the number of times. And then there's times where, like, I forget how many times it happens, you know, like, I'll be telling a story and I'm like, oh yeah, that guy was a creep. <laughs> like, oh yeah, he did this to me. Oh yeah, I forgot about him. And like, I don't know. It's, I feel like I've also like normalized this behavior as well because like I've pushed so many incidents so far down mm -hmm. that like mm -hmm. even I surprise myself with how many times it's happened in my life. And I don't know. That Same. It's scary to think about. <laughs> yeah. And I think a lot of it just comes out in therapy and you're like, oh, yeah, that was a problematic <laughs> behavior. I didn't think so back then because, you know, everybody, nobody batted an eye, you know, like especially if like there are people around. Like sometimes you you wanted somebody else to be like, hey, that's not right, you know. And But if everybody was also just quiet, you're like, oh, I guess this was all right. I don't know. But it's it's really not. Yeah, and I also realize that, like, people, like, I've been in situations, or, I mean, I'll be specific, I was in a situation where my ex-boyfriend assaulted me, I mean, he raped me, and I told one of my best friends, actually, two of my really good friends here in Mexico, and they're like, damn, that sucks, we should invite him over for beers, no? <laughs> <laughs> and like I mean I will say that I think I mean that that's a very very complicated like story as well because I, I think I also kind of normalized it then and I continue to be friends with him as well because I didn't understand what had happened and understood like the gravity of what had happened and actually it took two of my friends to be like you know he raped you right and I'm like no that's not what it was there's no way 
so I'm really, really grateful for those, those two friends who like named it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's such a problem when like people around you are also complicit in the behavior, you know? And again, I, I, I think I was complicit in it to a certain degree as well because I allowed it in a way. I don't, I don't know. You did not allow it. I mean, it's very easy for me to point that out for you because, but I am also working on that as well. But yes, you did not allow it, but it is easy to not speak up because especially like I personally was never taught that rape can happen with your significant other, which has also happened to me. And I like literally did not name that. Nobody named it because I didn't tell anybody. Yeah. Until until I was, you know, it happened to me with a stranger. Because I was like, that was wrong. This one was, mm, you know. And then and then now I'm like, no, that was also wrong. But, like, when I was younger, it was all, all only, like, the only situation was, like, it happens in the dark with a stranger who'll grab you. In a dark alley. Yeah, in a dark <laughs> alley. And if it doesn't fit that, then you attracted it. You asked for it, which is all, mm-hmm. like, wrong. Um, and it's... And it's really, it's really hard. And, and I think collectively as a society, we just have so much, so, so far away to go. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's awful. And we just carry so much guilt around and it's the worst. Um, I think what has helped me, I will say in the past month, because like I said, this past incident that just happened that I carried a lot of guilt around and I still kind of do, but one of the things that helped me kind of put things into perspective was putting myself in the position of the perpetrator in the sense that like, I'll I'll tell you a little bit about what happened. The only reason why I'm a little bit like iffy is because I don't want like the, who I was working for to kind of be out there. (laughs) But um, essentially I was like in a hotel, a lot of my coworkers were staying in the same hotel as me and it was like our weekend. I was like reading a book and having a cocktail by the beach. And this person essentially like was like, Hey, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm having a cocktail come by. We ended up like drinking kind of partying, whatever. And he like assaulted me. Right. But part of that was like, he basically like, I don't know, put himself on me, if you will, and, like, was, like, touching me and stuff. And I was so horrified that I, like, pushed him. I was, like, in a bikini also, which made me feel, like, really vulnerable Mm -hmm. um, in, like, a lounge chair. And he, like, sat here and was just, like, being so disgusting. And I pushed him off of me to the point where he fell on the floor. And I was, like, get the fuck off me. Like, cool, drinks are fun, great, cool, but I'm going to go. Like, I'm going to go to my room, right? And to me, that's a very clear no. Like, I literally just pushed you off my seat, get the fuck away from me, you know? And he proceeded to follow me to my room, which I didn't know. Um, thankfully, nothing, like, happened really, but he, like, banged on my door. The security, uh, the, yeah, he banged on my door. I called uh, hotel reception and begged them for security, and they laughed. And they were like, why do you need anybody? Um, he's your coworker. And I was like, how do you know he's my coworker? And they're like, oh, he asked us for your room number. And I was oh like, my God. and you gave it to him? Excuse you. And um, I went to my balcony. I called my boyfriend because I was freaking out. And I guess at some point he left. I never know if like security came or didn't come. But the next morning... I was trying to like dodge everybody. I woke up at like seven in the morning. I'm like, I'm going to go get breakfast before anybody wakes up. And when I went to my door, he had left like a little piece of a condom packaging under my door. Oh my God. Oh my God. What a fucking creep. Ugh. Horrible. And I was later thinking like, this is clearly my fault. I invited him. I invited to have drinks. I decided to continue to have drinks with him and get pretty drunk with him. I was wearing a little bikini. I, you know, was starting to get dark. I was alone. I put myself in this position. He was flirting with me. I kind of allowed it. Like, I didn't say no until I said no. You know what I mean? Clearly, this is, I brought this upon myself, right? You did not. And then later, I was. Go ahead. (laughs) 
no, no. So see, later I realized, okay, let me think about like his perspective, right? If somebody, okay, they're accepting my flirtations a little bit, okay, fine, like cool. But if somebody at some point throws me off the chair and pushes me like with their two hands, like, cause I was like rough with him. I was like, get the fuck off of me. You know, if somebody did that to me, there is no part of me that's going to be like, I'm going to go follow them to their room. I'm going to leave this condom wrapper under their door. Like there's no part of me, zero percentage, like zero part of me that would ever do that ever, 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 ever. So like, why does that give him a pass? And why does that put the blame on me? You know? Mm -hmm. And I think that that helps me a little bit to kind of understand that like, Again, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I was wearing. It doesn't matter that I was drinking. It doesn't matter if he was flirty with me and I was like, yeah, whatever. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The point is, is that I said no. The point is that I pushed him off of me. Like, it was a very clear no. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. That, yeah, like I said, it, it helps me understand that, like, I shouldn't give him a pass and I shouldn't take responsibility for his actions because he decided to be a piece of shit, you know? That's not on me. Yeah. Um, definitely. And like, and you have the right to wear whatever you want. You can wear a bikini on the beach. You can drink what, you know, you can drink your drinks, lounge on a chair on a beach. That is your right. And that does not Mm -hmm. give them any permission to be like, I got to get that. No, like, no, 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 no. And even then, like, even then I'm like, okay, if someone was flirting with me, there's no part of me that would just be like, eh. No part of me, like, absolutely not. So what, what makes somebody think that they have, like, some sort of authority over me, over my body? Like, it's such a disrespect. It's, you know, it's such a violation that, like, I don't know, like I said, it helps shift kind of the blame to him. And I'm still, like I said, I'm still working on it because I have moments where I'm like, oh, why did I do that? Why did I put myself in that position but I don't know it's it's a constant like conversation with myself I think mm-hmm. I I really appreciate you for sharing that because I feel like a lot of women a lot of people really experience that situation and would have just like normalized you know their behavior and like and also considering how fresh it is and it just it literally just happened to you and and for you to share that I I I really appreciate it and and I know that it will help a lot of people like to hear that story and I and anybody really who's been sharing in this podcast like I've gotten like a lot of feedback of like oh yeah this kind of happened with me too and like and there are a lot of people out there who still like haven't been able to label their experiences and through other people sharing they they are able to if, if that makes sense yeah I guess, how are you coping right now? How are you doing in general? Um, And then is there anything that you need or want or, you know, anything that kind of, yeah. Uh, I think I'm all over the place, honestly. I feel like there's days where I feel really good and I'm like positive and like, you know, like if nothing happens. but there are some really shitty days where I just have a lot of anxiety or I'm just really scared. Um, actually, when I came back from that situation and I was home, I like broke down with my therapist who told me like, we just need to kind of be careful that it doesn't like turn into like PTSD because you have had like past experiences and you know, just kind of like let's keep an eye on it. And just hearing the word PTSD like freaks me out because it kind of made me feel like I was not in control of my body or my mind. And I was, I don't want to call it a depression, but I think I was in a like low key depression for like a month or something after that. Just thinking that like I was not going to come out of this. I just felt like I've worked so hard and for what? For this shit to keep happening and now for me to be out of control in my body and now I'm going to live in a depression and anxiety and fear because um, one of the things also that happened, which is part of the reason why she said potential PTSD or, you know, let's monitor this is because essentially when I was still over there, um, 
I was living in a hotel and there was a night where like I heard like a rustling outside and I was so scared. And I thought like, oh my God, obviously somebody's gonna climb into my balcony and they're gonna like assault me. And I was too scared to even like look, like to open the blinds. And I just broke down and I was crying and I was like texting my boyfriend was like, trying to explain to him what happened, but then also like, he's not gonna understand, he's also far away. And like, I don't want him to think, you know, kind of burden him or whatever. And I was just like alone and I was just not in a good place. Um, and then that person who got fired was like posting Instagram stories from the same, he was out of the state basically, but he was still posting as if he were in the state. And I felt like throwing up and I texted, kind of the bosses and I was like I need proof that he's gone I need to know that he's not here I need to know that he got on the plane confirm with me who his driver was and I was like am I going crazy like I felt like I'm going crazy I'm just living in this paranoia I came back to Mexico City still feeling like hyper paranoid like I was kind of afraid to go outside because he knows the neighborhood that I live in because it came up like in a conversation and so I had this like fear of like, I can't go out by myself. Um, and if I'm out by myself, like what's gonna happen? Do I know how to defend myself? Should I carry around pepper spray or hairspray or something? Um, and I was scared that that was gonna last for a very long time. Um, I think I still hold on to a little bit of that fear, but it's hard to tell because I'm like, is that quarantine anxiety that like I don't love going out very much anymore or like is it anxiety from like this fear of something happening to me I'm not sure um, but thankfully another job came up where I had to fly to Miami and that actually helped a lot because I was like great I'm out of the country like there's no way that this person can get me um, and I think also being with my parents, being with my nieces, who I said I'm really close to, my best friend, and just completely being away from a place that this person can even get to me, I think kind of helps ground me and kind of center me and like help me like understand that that's, it's not that it's impossible, um, especially I think another, another fear of mine is that like femicides, like the murder, essentially the murder of women in Mexico is a huge, huge problem here and like men get away with it all the time and I was like what if I'm like a statistic you know and yes of course it's a possibility but the chances of that happening are probably low mm -hmm. so I think leaving like physically leaving helped helped me so that now that I'm back like I don't feel as like anxious anymore like I feel I don't feel 100% mm -hmm. I still have like a bad days um but I think overall I think I'm gonna be okay and I always kind of like joke around like if something fucked up were to happen to me this is the best time for something fucked up to happen to me because this is the first time where like I'm going to therapy like I understand myself more than ever like I'm so sure of myself like I feel like I love myself like I'm in this like place where like I've never been in my life like I feel healthy and I feel like self-love and I feel strong well sometimes <laughs> like I have I know that I have a strong support system and so that kind of helps me realize that like it's gonna be okay and like I've been through a lot of things and I'm gonna get through this again and so I just kind of have to like I said remind myself of things when I do have like those bad days <laughs> Yeah, that's really, that's a really good way to like, look at it to just, you know, like reflect on how much you've really been through and how much you've survived, which is super amazing. And no, and just knowing and giving yourself that knowledge that whatever happens, you've got it, which is true, you've got it. But yeah, mm -hmm. it is, it is just so scary to have like, the residual effects of, of trauma that just kind of seep in your day-to-day -day life for sure actually the other day I was having like a bad day and I it was like really weird because I really wanted to get out of my house and then when I was out of my house I was like I don't want to be outside I need to come home like I need to come home and I came home and I was like I realized that when I'm like having a bad 
I don't know, bad mental health day, I tend to kind of get into like fetal position. <laughs> and I was just like disassociated pretty much all day. Like I just like watched mindless TV all day. And like, I'm usually pretty active. Like I'll wake up, I'll exercise, I cook a lot. I like walk my dog. I'll like, you know, try to keep myself busy. And that day, like I physically could not get up. Like I just could not, like I could not even walk around the block with my dog. Like it just felt I don't know. It just felt like I had all the weight in the world on me and I just couldn't really understand why. And then when I woke up the next day, I was like feeling energized and feeling much better. And I had to remember that like, it's okay. Like you're going to have bad days. And like, if you need to just kind of watch TV and disassociate, <laughs> that's just what you need to do that day. And like, don't try to force yourself to be this like healed person, even though the, I was telling you over text, like I'm trying to speed up my healing, <laughs> but sometimes it doesn't work and you just need to curl up in a little ball and snuggle your dog and cry. And that's fine too. <laughs> yeah. I definitely could relate to that. Cause especially like after, you know, after the, I guess after I was raped and I did that article and all of that, I was like, all right, I did the article, I told my story, check, I'm going to therapy, I'm doing, you know, physical therapy, I'm doing like, you know, I'm doing yoga, check, like, all right, I should be fine in like no time. And you're just like, <laughs> no, it's a lifelong journey. And it sucks. But you know, you are forever affected by us. But there, you know, there is a life after but but yeah, it's it's. I feel I feel like unfortunately I'm realizing it's not a period. Like you, there's not gonna be an ending. You know, there's not gonna be a healed. It's just healing. Yeah, I know. I was like, I give myself a month. I'll be okay in a month. <laughs> <laughs> and also too, it's like not only like this trauma that just happened, but it's like all the traumas compounded. Like your entire life. So how is 35 years of going through something traumatic? gonna get healed in a week you know and so it's just like you need to calm down with your <laughs> speeding the process and also just like honor yourself as well respect the process and respect your body and I don't know yeah mm -hmm. definitely it'll it'll just take the time that it needs to take and regardless of however many things we do for it like it will just take its time yeah I feel like a lot of my I don't want to say moodiness because I don't think I'm really that moody but when I do get in these like moody moods I think it is because I'm like I don't know like some sort of response to these things that have happened to me that I'm still needing to process that I maybe haven't taken the time to or not enough time to and I don't know I read this book um it's called the wisdom of anxiety I don't know if you've heard of it but it's Basically, the whole idea is like anxiety is a messenger. And so when I had anxiety the other day, I was trying to remember, which is hard when you're having like a bad day, but I was trying to remember like, okay, you're feeling horrible and you're feeling a lot of anxiety because your body's telling you slow down. And again, like I'm still trying to think more with my body than with my brain or like, you know. Um, that it takes me a long time to kind of figure that out. But yeah, I don't know. Just just have, being curled up in a ball was like a reminder of like, you can't speed it up. Definitely. And I can relate to that a lot too, because I feel like uh, overworking, being a workaholic is my coping strategy. <laughs> so it's like so easy to ignore the feelings and the anxiety if you're just like always like moving so fast yeah it's hard <laughs> I was so grateful because this past couple weeks like I was at a job where I was working like 14 hour days I was really no I was getting some sleep but I was just like kind of hyper focused on work and uh, I was so grateful for it. But of course, you know, it's always like grass is always greener situation because I was like, I can't wait to go home and like do absolutely nothing. And it's going to be my time to heal. And I can't wait to just like journal and read and do yoga. And now that I'm here, I'm like, oh, my God, I need to be busy because I am going crazy. Like, fuck this healing. I'm feeling too much. I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> like, put me to work. <laughs> 
It's so, so many ups and downs. So, so. But I mean, I do, I am like grateful for myself though too, for like taking the time to do it, even though it's really hard. Cause I think a lot of people don't and they like to like kind of, I don't know, disassociate in other ways or cope in other ways where they don't like think about their feelings or feel their feelings. And so I feel like this work is really important. Definitely. Cause like, I feel like if we're not, really being self-aware like this is how we perpetuate trauma to ourselves and to other people right if like if we never really take the time to lean into it and like learn and grow from it which is kind of the other motivation that I also have even if it's super hard like you kind of you just have to yeah Mm -hmm. and the other thing I'm realizing too is like like you know that saying like hurt hurt people hurt people (laughs) It's also like heal, healed people heal people. And like, I think it's so real. And like going back to my nieces, like my middle niece also had some sexual trauma. And uh, for the past couple years, I have been telling her, not telling her like you need to go to therapy or anything like that, but I have been so open about like, you know, my experiences and telling her about therapy and oh my therapist is great because she told me blah 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 and like I worked through this today and like just always trying to be like really really open with her and like this year she finally went to therapy and like she texted me like last week or something and was like I feel like a different person like I'm so proud of myself because uh before I would do this and now I kind of cope this way and like blah, 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 you know, we just had this whole conversation. I was like, I'm so proud of you. Like, you know, this is great. And she, I don't know, gave me so many feelings because she was like, I was inspired by you. And I was like, ah, like, stop it. Like, it was one of the sweetest things anybody could ever say to me. Um, and so, yeah, so I think we're, we're stopping the cycle and like helping people heal. And not to like pat ourselves on the back, but like, I think, yeah, I think that's why it's important to do this kind of stuff too. Definitely. And, and yeah, and I think like, just, you know, going to therapy, taking those initial steps to really like help yourself heal and, and, you know, influencing somebody to make that decision. It's just like, it makes everything worth it, right? Like it's- For sure. Yeah. So- yeah, it's super, super important. I just really want to commend you for, I mean, overall sharing your story and also just reporting. I think reporting is so hard. And I I think it's, I think you're serving a great example for like options women have and, and the choices that people can make. And <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing all of that. Like, like, I, you know, like, and I think there's just so many barriers to reporting anyway. Um, so I just also wanted to not forget mm-hmm. that one thought that I had to say that. Oh. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I will say that, like, there's been so many times where, again, I have that whole uh, narrative of, like, it's my fault that I am I bringing this onto myself, et cetera. That made me feel just completely hopeless. But reporting this time and seeing how fast people took action like how fast they believed me and how fast this person got fired i was like oh my god like this is possible it's possible for things to change it's possible for people to believe you it's possible for people to take action not question you because they didn't even question me they didn't do an investigation they were like okay done and i was like what I doubted it and I asked the woman like how long is this going to take I need to know how long this is going to take because if I have to go into work every single day for the next month knowing that this person is there this person knowing that I'm reporting him and now he's being investigated now we have to go to work every day I need to know like what level of stress do I need to come into every day and she's like oh no he's fired I was like I don't believe her. Like I ended up leaving that meeting and actually the initial person that I reported to was a a guy and I, we left the meeting and I was like, I don't buy it. 
I was like, obviously there's going to be an investigation. Obviously it's going to take months. And by the time like the job ends, like he's still going to be here. And he was like, he told me like, I honestly have no idea. As soon as I got to my hotel, they wrote the email and they were like, he's fired. And I was like, what? (laughs) So that like gave me so much hope, (laughs) like so much hope that, you know, things can actually change and things actually are changing. And as like horrible and exhausting as, you know, these stories are and hearing them over and over and over again, it's like, there are people who actually care and who actually want to help you. Um, The other thing is that there was, because I was also in a position where I was like, I hate all men, fuck all men, just ugh, they're all disgusting. And the people who helped me the most during that were two, two men. And they were the ones that were like, one kind of begging me to stay. They were like, fuck these guys. Why do you need to leave? We love your work. We love what you're doing. You connect with everybody. Please don't leave. What do you need? Do you need an Airbnb and, you know, to stay away from the hotel? Do you need this? Do you need that? Like, I don't know. Just all of that, again, gave me so much hope when I was lacking any of that. That's so beautiful. I mean, it's so beautiful to like, see these silver linings and like moments of hope when when it just when everything is just so terrible and like and just finding allies in spaces when you're so used to not finding allies is just crazy and I'm really glad that they responded really quickly really well and and you you know you got some form of justice over like you know such a uh, over so long that you you haven't mm-hmm. done justice. I thought before. it was going to be another Magnum situation, and I'm like, oh great, <laughs> I quit at life, please. But no, it was so good. So yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that's what happens when you know people reported, and you know when people speak up and share their story. Like we we move the needle forward. Mm-hmm. So thank, thank, thank you, you. <laughs> thank you for saying that. I guess, do you have any last thoughts as we wrap up this episode? I don't know. Just kind of like be gentle to yourself. Um, I think this, this, these situations um, are really difficult, especially when society is always pointing the finger at us um, and telling us that it's our fault or, you know, so that somehow we provoked it or somehow we did something wrong or something. And um, maybe it'll take time, you know, for us to really understand that. But I feel like in the meantime, just try to be, I don't know, I feel like I'm giving advice to the world and I don't know if that's what you asked me necessarily, but that's the first thing that pops into my head. But I think there's a tendency to be really really judgmental um, and self-deprecating and to judge ourselves. Um, And so, yeah, if we can just be like 2% kinder to ourselves uh, and understand that we are also part of this, this system and we're also trying to unlearn a lot of things too. um, I think that's a good reminder that like, we're going to make mistakes as well and we don't have to be perfect and just, yeah, just kind of be gentle because <laughs> it's, it's hard. It definitely is. And, and that is just kind of a great reminder to be, to be kind because I know many people out there would, it would really resonate with them to hear that because they probably were not being gentle at this like moment in time or just in general for, Mm-hmm. and also be gentle with other people because you never really know all the details of their situation as well or their past traumas or anything really and saying no sometimes mm-hmm. or saying no firmly or leaving a situation or reporting somebody or I don't know whatever is so much harder than it seems and so yeah I don't know getting like emotional (laughs) but like yeah I don't know just 
sorry. No, I feel like I'm going to go on a ramble, but I just feel like I've been in so many situations where I've judged people for not leaving or not saying no or not speaking up or not whatever. And I'm like, how could you, you know? And then when it happens to me, I'm like, oh, now I get it. And so, I don't know. It would just be nicer if we were all kinder to everyone else and and to ourselves. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely like so easy to judge other people's situations, especially it, when you haven't really come to terms mm-hmm. with that yourself. And like, if you're not having that self-awareness yet, and I can definitely speak to that when I was younger, when, when I've normalized a lot of these behaviors that I've, you know, I've been in and it's situations I've been in. And then when I see other people and I was like, oh, you know, why did they do this or that? And then you, you realize that, oh, that's how I now I realize that's how I was complicit because I did not do the work in my internal work to realize that no it's not their fault it's it's the perpetrator's fault and and it's hard and it's it's I feel like an ongoing journey to unlearn all of those things right yeah and all we can really do is be nice to ourselves and try our best yeah Thank you so much, Alicia, for being here. I really appreciate you for being super vulnerable, for sharing your stories, your thoughts. And it's going to be super incredibly helpful to anyone listening. And I I know we've talked about that it's really hard to own brave and you should really own it for everything you've done for, for yourself and for, for your community and for our community here. Yeah. So thank you for being here. Thank you. I feel like maybe that should be my intention for next month. It's like own being brave. (laughs) I love that. I love that so much. (laughs) Yeah, I really appreciate what you're doing and for sharing um, my story and everybody else's too. It's been hard to listen to, but really, really helpful and healing. So yeah, thank you. This is the Dear Survivor podcast with Rosem Martin. I would highly encourage some self-care after listening to this episode. Our website, dearsurvivor.org, offers resources and links for both survivors and allies. Follow us on Instagram at the Dear Survivor Project. Send us your thoughts on the Dear Survivor Project at gmail.com. Thank you to Philippe Da Silva for the music, Claudine Delphine for the art, and Alicia for being our guest.